0: You're listening to The Feast, a podcast dedicated to the meals that made history. I'm your host, Laura Carlson. A few months ago, back in October 2019, we had the opportunity to attend what I would consider the platonic ideal of conferences. Not only was it about history, not only was it about culture, it was entirely about beer. When else do you get to go to a conference that is justifiably held both at the Chicago Field Museum and craft breweries around the city? This was the Beer Culture Summit. And this dream of a conference was put on by the Chicago Brewseum, a cultural organization dedicated entirely to highlighting the dynamic culture and innovative history of one of the world's oldest and most vibrant industries, beer, of course. The Bruseum holds exhibitions, events, and tours throughout Chicago to showcase the important stories of how beer literally built the Windy City. At the helm of this beer culture ship is Liz Garibay, the executive director. With a background in history, archaeology, and, of course, beer, She's been spearheading this organization for the last several years, and the 2019 first-ever Beer Culture Summit was her brainchild. Organized in collaboration with the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History, as well as the Chicago Humanities Festival, the summit brought together researchers, professionals, and beer enthusiasts to talk about various projects going on around the country and around the world to enhance Cultural understanding of beer. Now, before you start imagining a room full of academics in tweed with PowerPoint slides, I want to emphasize how much of a non-conference conference conference this really was. Your typical morning, sure, might start with a trip to the Field Museum, but then you might lunch over at a craft brewery, and end your evening at a dive bar near Wrigley Field. Now that's my kind of conference. On Friday night, in association with the conference, we had the opportunity to attend an event at Metropolitan Brewing, located in the Avondale neighborhood of Chicago. The brewery is located in a beautifully restored 19th century series of manufacturing buildings, at the heart of which, of course, is Metropolitan. That night, we not only had the opportunity to hear from Julia Hers. The brewers association craft beer program director to get the latest updates in what's happening in the world of american craft beer but we also had the chance to taste a brand new beer brewed especially in a historical style in honor of a very special 19th century woman who helped make brewing in america what it is today now i don't want to give away too much yet about this mystery beer but you'll hear both about her and the beer a little later on. We sat down with Liz for a few minutes amidst all this great beer talk that night. Because, as Liz says, beer is more than just a beverage. It's a powerful cultural force that brings people together and has the power to make change. Um, I'm here with Liz Garibay, uh the founder of the Chicago Brewseum. And we are currently, well, we're actually sitting in a car too. We're sitting in a car. <laughs> in the middle of um, Metropolitan Brewing. Correct. On, I'm not even sure what part of Chicago we're actually in right now.
1: We're in Avondale. Avondale. So north side.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, and also right by... Some canal and or river. Oh,
1: the Chicago River.
0: The Chicago River. You can tell that maybe I'm not from around here, (laughs) right? I want to know all the things, basically, because right now you're about an hour away from one of the events with the Beer Culture Summit, which you essentially, it is your brainchild, I get the impression, and have kind of pulled this all together. I want to know about both, of course your background, but also the Beer Culture Summit and kind of what's going to happen tonight and a little bit about this space that we're in. Um, But why don't we start with the Beer Culture Summit and then we'll kind of go backwards and forwards from there.
1: Definitely. Um, uh, The Beer Culture Summit started as an idea about, gosh, a year or so ago, maybe a year and a half ago. I don't even can't keep track of time anymore. My background is in originally museums and then academia and then back to museums. um, And I work a lot in beer. So, you know, we each, those fields, all fields each have their own specific conferences that everyone goes to. And they're incredibly valuable, great networking opportunities, um, but they're also very isolated. Uh, We're sharing information with people who want to be there, who have the ability to be there, who kind of already have an idea of what's happening in those areas of study. So there are great opportunities for folks, but they're also very exclusive in in a lot of ways. And so I was just thinking one day about how a lot of these fields interlap in my own personal career track. And I really wanna just do a mashup of all of those conferences, but make it something that's exciting for everybody and also accessible to the public. So that was sort of the, the beginnings of it all. And again, it was just an idea because I'm like, how how would we ever do something like this? And Teresa McCullough, the beer historian um, with the Smithsonian's uh, National Museum of American History, came to Chicago and was doing her um, oral history project as part of her initiative, uh, the brewing initiative with the Smithsonian. And she uh, interviewed me. And after the interview, we were kind of just having some conversations. And I just said, you know, Teresa, I have this idea. And you might get it because obviously she's in academia and has worked in museums and is in beer. And her response was incredibly supportive and said, I I think you should do it. I think people would be really into it. And I'm happy to support you in any way I can. So when she kind of, you know, shared that enthusiasm, I said, well, all right, let's get to work. And I started to sort of create a skeleton and uh, started working with her um, and a couple other folks to sort of create just a a little bit of, of what this was going to be, and then slowly but surely made it a little bit more meaty and got to the point where we were identifying not only topics, but people. Um, and the people responded, uh, uh, again, very enthusiastically and were very supportive. And we have, geez, like three dozen or four dozen, I can't even, again, can't keep track of time nor numbers of any sort, uh, come from all over the country to create this four-day uh, gathering which
0: i have to say as soon as i i think i first saw it you may have posted about it on twitter and i thought what is this because it was basically like it is exactly what it says on the tin of beer culture and then like kind of history thrown in there as well and when i started reading through you know some of the sessions and some of the activities that you were having i'm like this is Exactly what I've been hoping someone would be putting. oh on. good, that's
1: good to hear. Um,
0: because I think exactly as you were saying, you know, you can go to a lot of very, very academic conferences and and talk about you know the nineteenth century and the industrialization of beer and it's it's a very exclusive. Style conference, and we've been to more kind of hey, um, here's some beer tastings, you know, and talking about like kind of contemporary beer culture, Um, but it's kind of it it stops kind of there where we're we're looking at what is happening in American brewing right now, right? And I've always wanted to see kind of a mashup of those two things. Oh, good. Um, So I I was thrilled uh, when I saw that this was happening. I mean, today was, well, this was kind of like day 1.5, because I know you had an event on Thursday evening.
1: uh, Just an opening night party. Um, Yeah, where we welcomed everybody. Um, More social than anything. And uh, on our board of directors for the Chicago Museum uh, is John Hall, who started Goose Island. Um, He was actually the first guy I had a conversation with about starting a museum. And the minute he hopped on board, I knew maybe this thing had some legs. Um, so John uh, opened uh, the evening and greeting folks. Teresa McCullough said a few words. I said a few words. And it really was just a, a a good sort of party to start it all off. And so today was the real sort of meaty day.
0: Yeah, which was all at the Field Museum, yeah. which um, I only learned today, actually, is kind of near and dear to your heart from yeah. a, a very young age. And so maybe we can talk a little bit sure. about your own kind of how, how you came to be here, I suppose, um, because yeah. I know you did a lot of work, well, on many different fields and eventually kind of settled a little bit on tavern history. Right. Um, but I'd love to know maybe how you got to tavern history. And I'd love to know kind of how you dug deep into, I think, a lot of Boston taverns in particular. Yeah,
1: uh, Chicago and Boston were sort of my, my first sort of entry point into all of this uh, craziness. Um, I... You growing up in Chicago, born and raised in Chicago, um, you know, I was a latchkey kid. Both my parents worked. And so after in high school one day, um, I had always sort of had this affinity for the Field Museum. Um, I, I went to high school not far from the Field Museum. And when I was a younger kid, I took a couple of how to draw Egyptian hieroglyph classes at the Field Museum. I just always had a soft spot for it. And so often when I didn't have softball practice or some after school activity, I would take the bus to the Field Museum and just sort of wander around and um, always just was gravitated to that place. And when I was 15, um, I got an internship with the anthropology department and it was like one of the best days of my life. And, uh, you know, I spent many, many summers, many uh, Christmas breaks, many spring breaks throughout high school and then throughout college um, working at the Field Museum. And, you know, it kind of just shaped me for the future of what I was maybe going to do. So when I went off to college, still interning here and there, I uh, got a degree in anthropology from the University of Illinois, in Champaign, and um, knew I wanted to do something anthropological, archaeological, historic. I really wasn't sure what it was, but a lot of my mentors were definitely pushing me toward academia, going to graduate school, which I did. I went to graduate school on the West Coast and then later on, on the East Coast. And all along the way, there's sort of, you know how you always have that like the little voice nagging you. Along the way, I knew that I loved what I was doing, but academia was not the way I wanted to do it. So um, I left graduate school while I was in Boston and shifted to a more um, contemporary history, more 18th and 19th century history, an American history. And I really was kind of interested in the way that uh, urban cities in our country developed and shaped. So when I came back home, I started working at the Chicago History Museum. So along the way of all of that grad school stuff, I spent a lot of time in bars. I'm a bar person. I love going by myself, reading a book, having a beer, going to watch a game, just having dinner or just talking to anybody. And I found my place in those bars and I became regular at many bars and I just started listening to stories from some of the old-timers and realized they were really valuable oral histories. Started to write them down, but also realized that, you know, those oral histories are coming from a place that people drinking for decades. So I didn't really know what was true and what wasn't. So that's when the research started. And over time, I just started researching the history of a individual bar by interviewing people, uh, researching, and I got, you know, a little bit of the past and the present to sort of create a full circle um, history of that place. And I started doing that in other bars and in similar neighborhoods. And so, um, you know, you connect the dots from bar one bar to the other and you get the history of a neighborhood and then you connect it further, and you get the history of a city. So I realized that there was something to this and I really wasn't sure what it was. And when I started working at the Chicago History Museum, I already had uh, uh, at least 75, 80 uh, tavern histories in my back pocket. So I just asked them, you know, hey, can I create something called History Pub Crawls where we go and use the taverns as our vehicles to talk about history? And it really wasn't well received internally because drinking of course, at that point in time, people thought that drinking dumbed down history or dumbed down content, which is absurdly incorrect. But eventually they gave me a very tight leash and let me do my thing. And uh, lo and behold, it was the most popular thing the Chicago History Museum had ever done. So we did more and more and then started doing little lectures and other other sorts of types of drinking and learning events. Um, And that's kind of how it all started, really.
0: Mm -hmm. And and the Museum came out of that as well.
1: Yeah, so I was with the History Museum for seven years. And by the time I was done with those seven years, I knew that I wanted to do more with alcohol and learning um, and research, for sure. Uh, and I knew that I couldn't really do it in that space. So um, and other organizations started to reach out to um, consult, and I really couldn't do that in in you know with my role. So I left the History Museum to work for myself. And took a lot of of consulting jobs, um, did some writing, a a slew of different things, different individual tour giving, private tours, actually still contracting for the History Museum, which was really great. And that all naturally evolved into me really wanting to do an exhibition on beer. It was something I'd been trying to do at the History Museum, but it just wasn't the right place or time for them. And I eventually did that exhibition at a suburban museum. And that by that point in time, I collected all this research, collected all this data. Of course, craft beer is growing. Brewers Association is providing you with stats and stats every year. I'm like, this thing is on fire. And then it got to the point where I was like, you know what? Screw an exhibition. I want a whole organization. I want a whole museum. And that was really the genesis of the Chicago Museum.
0: And right now it seems like it is a kind of a a flexible space where you know you're yeah. programming um you you will hold events at say the field museum but i know that there is there's a hope for a brick and mortar yeah location kind of on the horizon kind of like what do you do we have like a timeline or do you have a kind of a, a runway there we are a runway yeah <laughs>
1: yeah for sure you know the definitely the end goal is definitely a brick and mortar um but that's really expensive um, to do. And just having worked in museums for so long, I know it's a, it's a, it's a curious process. Um, so we started out as a 501c3 immediately, a nonprofit. Our goal is to definitely be a part of the cultural landscape. We are not a brewery disguised as a museum. We are a museum first and foremost. We will potentially make beer, hopefully, um, to tell a lot of our stories. But we are a museum first and foremost. So that nonprofit 501c3 is really important to me. Um. So that's where we started. And then we just started building relationships based on other relationships I'd already had. Obviously, you know, having worked with the History Museum, the Field Museum and other cultural institutions around the city and around the region and around the country. um, Kind of going out to people, you know, saying, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, I've got this great team of people behind me. That was the other thing is that the very first thing I did was build a a solid team of board of directors and national advisory board people who I highly respected and had admired and who I just said, hey, I have this idea. Would you support it? And um, again, amazingly, people are like, yeah, let's do this. So some pretty uh, big names on there, which I thought was really important to the credibility of of the organization. Um, and then we started, again, building those partnerships exist- from existing relationships, creating events at both cultural institutions and breweries and, gosh, all kinds of other places to the point where those events kind of started to Be a little bit of everything in ways we never really anticipated. Just again, the support was just crazy. I just really I just really am sometimes humbled by the by the support that we've gotten. One of the relationships was the Field Museum, back to the Field Museum, right? They really were interested in maybe hosting an exhibit with us. So that was a process. And we actually opened our first exhibition a year ago, November 2nd, 2018. And that was really a major moment for us. Uh, Major moment for us because it goes from really being this idea uh, to being a real thing. Um, And the exhibit actually is scheduled, scheduled to close January 5th, 2020, but it's been so successful, so popular, a great story that they've extended it. So we're going to be there for a little while longer, um, which again is sort of our proof of concept. So that's really what we've been focusing on until we have the ability to have that actual brick and mortar space.
0: As you were speaking, it occurred to me, and this is a bit of a like a step back question, but when you were mentioning, you know, your early research in taverns and kind of tavern life, yeah. um, Chicago, Boston, etc., and how that mapping together of a bunch of different tavern histories um, and you get this great history of a city. Um, and for me, I, I was like, well, of course, naturally, you know, beer comes right out of that. Yeah. But then I thought to myself, oh, well, wait, not necessarily there could be wine, there could be, you know, right. distilled spirits and things like that. Was there a reason or a moment that kind of turned you more towards the brewing history side Yeah. than, say, you know, any of the other beverages on offer at an American. Definitely. Factory.
1: Definitely. I mean, Chicago, Boston, um, we didn't even start with beer. You know, we had spirits, uh, whiskey, rum, cider. Uh, beer was present, but it would have been imported expensive, not really part of of early America um, the way it was later on. So because my focus, my research really focused on 19th century American growth, urban development, the main story for me, uh, bottom line, is immigrants and their influence um, and really the reason why we have a country, right? The whole reason why we have a brewing industry. The Germans in the middle of the country, uh, the Midwest, we had German immigrants coming to the, the Midwest in the 1820s, 1830s. And if you think about our the dynamics and, and sort of the sort of demographics of the country at that point in time, The middle of the country is all German. So cities like Chicago, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Cincinnati, Cleveland, right? Because all the Germans settled here. So, of course, they bring their festive culture. They bring their beer-making culture. So that moment when I started to really dig into that German story and see the parallels of immigrant influence and how the brewing industry really connected to economy, labor, crime, politics, that's when I really sort of started thinking about looking at beer specifically for the story of our country. The other part about beer is it really crosses a lot of boundaries, right? I don't care who you are, you know, who your parents were, what they did for a living, how much money you have in the bank, what, you know, any of those things. We probably all have some sort of connection to beer. It's been a working man's beverage. It's been a high society beverage. Um. So for me, the fact that beer sort of connects to everybody was another way that i knew i could tell a variety of different narratives
0: absolutely and i think that ties into as well as you were saying chicago is this i mean it is the second city i mean it is this massive cultural economic powerhouse in the middle of the country um and has a very unique story i think in some ways relating to the history of beer because you have you know a brewing powerhouse to the south you have a brewing powerhouse to the north and it it seems i mean correct me if i'm wrong chicago's kind of contribution to a lot of this is the infrastructure the railroads that gets everything everywhere or am i missing like a piece of the puzzle
1: no I, i think you're right you know the the city starts growing in in massive ways first because of that river and our lake right the movement of 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 goods and the movement of humans. And then in the 1860s, with the onset of the railroad, Chicago becomes this hub. We're, we're strategically located um, almost in the middle of the country, and we become this hub, and the railroad industry just kind of took it to another level. And the city starts to grow um, like weeds, as does the brewing industry. One question I get a lot is, what's the historic Chicago beer that people still drink, right? Because there's all these legacy brands everywhere. And, and they're, I'm like, well, you tell me, what is it? And everyone's sitting there scratching their head. And, of course, they immediately go to Old Style, which is a big Midwestern beer. I'm like, well, that was brewed in Wisconsin, right? And so I'm like, yeah, what is it? So the answer is we don't have a historic Chicago beer. And it's really kind of interesting to take a look at why. Chicago, during the late 1800s, had, I think, 60, 70 breweries in the city. All of these breweries were making different different quantities but we were drinking it all. We were consuming every last drop. So Chicago breweries never had a need to leave the market, right? Whereas breweries in St. Louis, breweries in Milwaukee, they had lots of beer makers too, and they were drinking their beer, but they also had a little bit left over and wanted to get into Chicago. And so that's what happens. And so those breweries, because of entering the Chicago market and because we were such luscious that we were not only drinking all of our beer and then their beer too, they end up growing a little bit more and then going into other markets. And so that's why you have some of those larger breweries that we now know very well today, macro brands to the north and to the south that are still around. And Chicago breweries really just didn't... We had a big fire in 1871, so that was one major reason. Um, And then, of course, into the 1900s, a lot of the British syndicates take over and some of the taverns, and then, of course, 1920 prohibition. So we don't really have that legacy brand that people think about. So, it's interesting when you think about what that means to the to the country's brewing history and to how the growth of, of other beer around us happens.
0: When you look perhaps today or let's let's take like a long view of craft brewing from like the 1980s onwards, yeah. like very very long scale. As you were talking about, there's not really an, a like a one style Chicago beer Yeah, and things are th- coming out of like, you know, New England IPAs. Right. And, you know, even like Vermont IPAs now. Is, is there a style that you've seen kind of start getting associated with Chicago in this new kind of craft beer boom? Or or perhaps are there, is Chicago defined by the fact like it is not grabbing onto or trying to define itself through a style?
1: No, there's no one style that I see really emerging out of here. And I think that that is actually a Chicago story. We've never really, we've kind of always beaten to our own drum. You know, Chicagoans are very simple. We're very polite. We always get, you know, people always come in and going, God, everyone's so nice here. And it's true. That's just the Midwest, right? We also kind of just do our own thing and don't really care what anybody else thinks. So it's kind of like, you know, just part of our DNA, in a sense. And so I think that you see that also in beer. You see it in a lot of industries, but for sure beer like, you know, we're sitting in Metropolitan Metropolitan started in 2009 when no one as a lager making brewery when no one else was making them because IPAs were all the rage. And everyone thought they were bananas for doing just lagers. And there Tracy and Doug who started this place were like, um, excuse me, most of the world drinks lagers. So that's what we're going to do. And we want to do them the German way. And so, of course, now lagers are hot again, right? But then you also have Half Acre and Revolution making, you know, um, making all these awesome IPAs. And you have, gosh, you know, everyone is just making such great different styles. And I think we're still the, we still have the most breweries in any other city in the country at the moment. I think we're up to like 170 or 180 in the Chicago land area, which means the suburbs.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've heard you're number one. and
1: it, Yeah, crazy.
0: That is, there are a lot of cities that would like to compete for that but i mean it is something that yeah. chicago stands apart from that yeah
1: i don't and i don't think that you can say we're a lager town a pale ale town a pastry stout town uh whatever you want to say style you, you you like but i think you can definitely find a little bit of everything and you know the community here is so i know you hear that's a little bit cliche oh the beer community is so great let's be real all, all everybody, even museums, right? There's always a little bit of a competition here and there. But the Chicago beer community really is awesome. Again, we're a metropolitan brewing, a lager producing uh, organization here. Two blocks away, three blocks away is Maplewood Brewery, who makes some of the best beers in Chicago too, and they make those crazy pastry stouts, right? So literally, you're walking distance to some to like complete ends of the spectrum, um, which I think is really kind of fascinating.
0: I have to ask, just because we were commenting on it, walking in here, and it's a it's a massive space. Yeah. Um, do you know anything about the history of this building? I do. Oh, I
1: wait. actually did research it for for these guys. This is a building. So if you look, you look at it. It's all brick and wood and steel. This actually, and it's been it's been uh, refurbished in a sense. Um, but this was a building that was around in the eighteen hundreds, and it was an old tannery. Um. So we are on the Chicago River and the stockyards, the famous stockyards were on the south branch of the Chicago River. And that's where all the meat was, you know, all the cattle was raised and processed and the hides needed something to, to, you know, somewhere to go. So many of them got placed on barges and sent to other parts of the river for processing. So this was an old tannery. So the owner of this building really didn't want to just make another set of condos on the river. He really wanted to stay true to its history and its manufacturing history. So the or- the businesses that are going to come in here and are in here are Chicago organizations who um, make things. And so we have Metropolitan Brewing. Uh, we have Metropolis Coffee Roasters. Um, which, of course, there's a lot of coffee and beer happening together always. <laughs> yes, I think we're going to have a distillery in here, a bakery and a chocolatier oh wow um, so it's a little bit of everything and then there's a giant event space so if anyone wants to get married in here too they can well
0: there's there's a wedding there's going a big on wedding happening tonight. right now yeah, yeah. we uh, thought we were really underdressed as we walked in we were like <laughs> we did not know this was a formal wait location. the beer culture
1: summit is tuxedos
0: <laughs> like that was not included on the invitation <laughs> that would never
1: happen everyone who knows me knows I'm like a t-shirt and uh, jeans kind of gal oh my goodness but
0: yeah like this this is a great space and yeah, it's awesome I do like that it it has that early connection to that yeah. manufacturing industrial history and it's going to revive that so 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 have Metropolitan always been in this space and they've just been kind of renovating it all along? No,
1: they actually were in a different neighborhood in 2009. They started only as a manufacturing uh, brewery, uh, bottling, packaging, and getting it out into the city. Um, They didn't move here uh, into this space until, gosh, I want to say like a year and a half ago. Um, And... um, Really, their their sort of business plan was to only make beer for the Midwest. So originally packaged just for Chicago, have the tap room. And then I think later on their whole plan is to get beer out to different Midwestern states. Oh, fantastic. And that's where it ends.
0: Okay. And then just keep it in the, in yeah. the region. Yeah. I, I know you have a lot a lot on your plate tonight. Yeah. Um, and before we let you go, I, I was just hoping you might run through the the plan of events tonight because yeah. there's some really exciting things happening tonight in tonight particular. Tonight is
1: really cool. Um, so one of the things that I one of my mantras is that beer is more than just a beverage. Uh, that is what we talk about often with the Chicago Museum. And our mission statement is that beer is more than just a beverage. It's a powerful cultural force that has the ability to bring people together and the power to make change and if you look at history you look at time you look at place you can that is relevant to all of that so those telling stories about the past through beer is an incredibly co- important component of what i'm trying to do and so I've been doing a lot of collab beers with breweries and historians to tell different stories. And so there's a wonderful woman, Dr. Jennifer Jordan, out of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, who's been doing all kinds of hops research, um, 19th century hops research. And she's um, found these stories about these female hop pickers, photographs and journal entries. And when I found out about what she was doing, I immediately thought, well, we need to make a beer inspired by these women to tell their story so I talked to Jennifer and she's like oh my gosh you want to do that cool and I'm like okay let me find let me let me let me think about some breweries so Eris Brewery inside Cider House here in Chicago is owned by Michelle Foike." a uh, woman-owned um, business. So that was important to me. One of the breweries in Wisconsin, in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, I'm a huge fan of is Three Sheeps Brewing. Um, so I went to the Wisconsin brewery. We
0: saw them walking in we're Yeah. we're like, only brewers bring, bring beer, beer to a brewery. <laughs> like they must be part yeah. of this event. Yeah. What
1: ended up happening is uh, I asked them to make a beer uh, based on Jennifer's research and we had conversations and lots of email exchanges and all kinds of different discussions, and so the idea was to do that, and they did that. So the beer is being brewed here in Chicago at Eris and being released here tonight. It'll later on be brewed again at, in at, in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and be released in uh, Milwaukee and Sheboygan. Um, but tonight is the official release of Ella, um, named after Ella Seymour, one of the hot pickers from 19th century Wisconsin. Uh, Dr. Jordan is going to tell us a little bit about Ella, and her sister, and other women who were part of these stories, so we get to know them a little bit. And then uh, Grant Pauly, who owns Three Sheeps, and is a brewer at Three Sheeps, and Michelle Foyk, uh from Aris are going to tell us a little bit about what they did to make this beer. And we're going to drink it, and then we're going to drink some Aris, and we're going to drink some Three Sheeps, and drink some Metropolitan, and have a great night. And I'm really excited, to Kicking off the evening is Julia Hurst from the Brewers Association, who, if anyone's heard Julia talk, it's, she's always she always inspires me, always. I always say that when I grow up, I want to be Julia. And she is going to kick off the evening by giving us an overview of the state of craft beer in the country today. So starting out with a little bit of a present and then going back into the past and then coming back to the present. Because again, that's something that's really important to me to keep going back and forth into history and then into modern era, just so that people understand that, hey, it's all connected.
0: Absolutely, and I think this is one of those. As you were mentioning today, in in one of the sessions, that it's a sensory experience, right? Yeah. As You're learning this history and tasting this beer. I mean, there's a, a connection there that I think just makes things sink in that much deeper. And I mean, I, I we haven't tried the beer obviously yet. You but will. I'm going to just assume that it's shall we say hop forward.
1: It is. Um. The the hops that these uh, ladies were picking were cluster and. So all cluster hops in there. Fantastic. So I can't wait to taste it.
0: I'm I'm really excited. I'm sure you've already have you had any? I have yet? not. Oh this is your first time. Yeah. Well. I
1: wanted to wait for the for the I wanted to be surprised you guys, okay. yeah.
0: I didn't know you know as as like founder, head and chief, no, everything.
1: No, I wanna be a, a geeky fan too. Well
0: I cannot wait. I'm so excited. We're thrilled to be here just in general. Um and I'm hoping this potentially has the chance to become uh, an annual or, or maybe every few years. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, You know, this is, it was one of the hardest parts about this whole thing was picking only a handful of sessions, right? We, we ended up having, I think, gosh, three, six, I don't know, a ton of sessions, but it was only three days. You know, I could have done a whole month full of stuff. At least, Yeah. So that was really different. And also there are people who could not make it right. And so, Um, I would love to do this again, uh, do different sessions, different people, um, do different things. So yeah, that's the idea, uh, to potentially do this every year if possible.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, thus far, I think proof of concept, as you were saying, yeah, people people are here, people are thrilled. So awesome! Well, I'm I glad think, you're
1: here. Yes,
0: we're we are thrilled to be here. Thanks yes. for being here, and thank you for taking the time got out it. of a very busy weekend for you. No problem. Um, to talk to us in a car. <laughs> yeah,
1: I love it. This is a first for me. So thanks.
0: Now, if you're interested in learning more about Ella and women hop pickers in the 19th century in Wisconsin, you are in luck. We'll actually be featuring our interview with Dr. Jennifer Jordan on the next episode of The Feast. You won't want to miss it. And if you're interested in tasting the Ella Beer, it's currently, at least at the end of January 2020, on tap at Eris Brewery and Cider House in Chicago. To find out more about the Chicago Brewseum, visit them at ChicagoBrewsium.org. You can also check out more information about the Chicago Beer Summit there, and find out about some of their upcoming events, including their first ever international excursion down to Mexico City in early February 2020. You can also learn more about their ongoing exhibition at the Chicago Field Museum called Brewing Up Chicago, How Beer Transformed a City. While we were in town, we had the opportunity to see the exhibition, and we'll post a few pictures on our website about some of the things you can find there. A big thank you to Liz Garibay for taking the time to talk to me in what was a very busy evening, especially talking to me in a 2019 Subaru parked in the middle of Metropolitan Brewing. You can also find out what Liz is up to right now and get her fantastic thoughts about beer, history, and of course, culture by following her on Twitter at LizGaribayCHI. A big thank you to Metropolitan Brewing as well for hosting that night's great beer tasting and session of the Beer Culture Summit. And thanks, of course, to the Chicago Brewseum itself and all the folks that helped put on that fantastic weekend of the first ever Beer Culture Summit. If you're interested, you can find links to Metropolitan Brewing Company, Three Sheeps Brewing, Eris Brewery and Cider House on our website at thefeastpodcast.org. The Feast is written and produced by me, Laura Carlson. Our digital director, photographer, and sound engineer for this episode is Mike Port. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at feast underscore podcast, where we put up some extra images from our travels and discoveries about food history. You can also follow us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter to get all our updates directly. At thefeastpodcast.org. We'll be back soon with another great meal that made history. I'm Laura Carlson, and this is The Feast.
1: Sonic Universe.